This is GSG Geek Survival Guide, Episode 6, for September 29th, 2006. Werewolves. This episode is dedicated to the proposition that all men and women are created equal, even wolf men and wolf women. This is GSG, the Geek Survival Guide, your home for survival tips you'll probably never need. Remember, if you're a crossbow-toting, silver-wielding monster hunter, this probably isn't the podcast for you. This is the podcast for the poor sap who goes into a gypsy camp after dark to get his fortune read. Also, that poor sap's girlfriend. Also, unfortunate villagers. With the survival tips in this guide, these people will be less likely to go around howling at the full moon and having to wear flea collars three nights a month. That's right. Today we talk about werewolves. Werewolves are poor, unfortunate people who are bitten by other werewolves. Then, on the night of the full moon, they undergo a horrifying transformation, becoming more beast than human, and they roam the moors, or London, seeking new people to bite. Werewolves are typically impervious to most weapons, with a notable exception of silver. Depending on the type of wolf person you encounter, their ground speed ranges from loping upright gates that most humans can mimic, to full out all fours on the ground running that most humans can't outperform. Aside from their monthly transformation, natural resistance to physical damage, and their ability to pass on their condition to others with a bite, werewolves have no additional supernatural powers, although they may have certain enhanced senses while in their wolfy state. A lot of werewolves are mild-tempered, unassuming, gentle people. Typically, librarians. During the day, that is. By the light of the full moon, however, they are bloodthirsty monsters ravaging any warm-blooded prey they can find. As to surviving a werewolf infestation in your neck of the woods, GSG suggests three useful tools. First, a calendar, preferably one that shows the various phases of the moon. Second, an almanac, or some other way of knowing the time of sunrise and sunset. Third, some place with a locked door, such as your prepared geek bunker, or perhaps a handy barn. Once you become aware of the werewolf infestation, and before you call the local dog catcher, make a note of nights of the full moon and the time of sunset and sunrise. Before sunset, lock yourself in the bunker. Once the sun has risen, your werewolf should be safely transformed back into a human being, making it safe once again for you to emerge from your protected area. The real trick is knowing that a werewolf has moved in. Are you hearing strange howlings during the night? Are your neighbor's chickens, cattle, or other livestock turning up missing? Are any of your friends complaining about blacking out during that same time? And is all of this happening around the time of the full moon? If so, there's a reasonable chance that there is a werewolf somewhere in the near proximity, and you should be locking yourself in your bunker about three times a month, possibly five, giving you a night's leeway either way, just in case the almanac was horribly, horribly mistaken. Once you know that a werewolf is in the neighborhood, it's ridiculously easy to survive the infestation. But what if you're the intended first victim of a werewolf who is new to the neighborhood? There are a variety of techniques that our geeks and survival experts have suggested. First, determine if your werewolf is a highly anthropomorphic werewolf. Is it wearing clothes? Is it sort of shuffling or loping around on two legs? If so, then you may be able to simply outrun the beast. 
Pick a direction, preferably to your car or bunker, and start moving. Do not stop. Do not attempt to hide. Do not take out your cell phone to call animal control. Run. Second, silver is known to be deadly to werewolves, and it need not be in the form of a bullet or blade. In fact, a silver spoon can cause devastating damage to a werewolf, although by the time you are able to hit him with it, he's probably already in biting range. This is why GSG recommends traveling with two large silver serving spoons on the night of a full moon one for close quarters combat, and one to throw. If nothing else, the sight of silver hurtling toward him may distract the beast, allowing you precious time for running away and locking a door behind you. Third, Werewolves pass on their curse by biting. The literature is unclear as to whether or not the were has to be in animal form for this to be effective, and so for this reason GSG recommends that even in your more intimate moments, rare as they may be, after all, we're all geeks here, you should not engage in or condone biting. Besides, human bites that break skin are really nasty and should be treated by a medical professional immediately. Fourth, if you are being pursued by an anthropomorphic male werewolf, you may attempt to kick him in the nads. Wolfmen do apparently have them, and kicking them there will incapacitate the werewolf long enough for you to get to your bunker and lock the door. Of course, this also requires close quarters between you and the werewolf, and this would also be significantly less effective against a female werewolf. In point of fact, she may kick you back, which for the male geek would be almost as devastating as silver is to a werewolf, so kick cautiously. And that's it for this week's survival tips. After the break, we will introduce a new segment. We now pause for a word from our fellow podcasters. Did you walk out of the Matrix and wonder if you're a battery in a jar? Did you walk out of Daredevil and wonder, what is it like to be a bat? Do you and your friends stay up at night debating good and evil in the Star Wars universe? Does the question of life, the universe, and everything intrigue you? Then open your mind and tune into The Sci-Fi Show. TheSciFiShow.blogspot.com The podcast that examines science fiction, film, TV, and stories, and looks at the deeper questions behind them, and interviews with authors, philosophers, and others. So tune into The Sci-Fi Show, and that's Fi with a PH. Welcome back to GSG Geek Survival Guide. In this new segment, Ask GSG... We take actual questions from you, the listener, and using our crack team of survival experts and geeks, we attempt to answer them for you. Here's today's question. Dear GSG, I live in an apartment, so a survival bunker is not an option. If I move to a house, I won't have enough money to get a new Intel-based Mac. What should I do? Signed, Anxious in Australia. First, Anxious, I want you to take a good look at what you've written. You've just put your acquisition of an Intel-based Mac above your own survival. While the geeks on staff applaud your dedication, the survival experts are shaking their heads in disbelief. Having established that, let's return to the requirements for a good geek bunker as established in our first episode. First, a safe location has limited entrances and exits. Second, a good location should be sturdy... Third, a good location should be inconspicuous. After all, you don't want trouble to come looking for you. In later episodes, we also established that a sturdy door and a lock are also a very, very good idea. If your apartment has these features, it's probably serviceable as a bunker, 
as long as you are above ground floor, and you probably reach optimum safety about floor four or five. Much higher than that, and it becomes harder to get to ground floor and move out in the event of an alien infestation or daikaiju attack. Also, you should make sure that you have blinds which can totally prevent indoor light from reaching the outdoors. Nothing says, Here I am, come eat me to a horde of hungry zombies like a lit bulb. Honestly, at that point, it's like you're sitting in an open refrigerator, just swinging your legs on the shelf saying, La 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 la, here I am. Won't someone please come eat my brains? Using your apartment as a bunker also gives you the advantage of not having to lug around your supplies of food and water, your sun lamps, your garlic, and other specific threat responses we've mentioned in earlier episodes of the program. Of course, no geek bunker is perfect for all circumstances, with the possible exception of the Justice League's watchtower, but honestly, who really has the money to put something like that together? And that's it for this episode of GSG Geek Survival Guide. For more survival tips, games, etc., check out our show notes linked at the website gsguide.blogspot.com. Geek Survival Guide should be back in approximately two weeks when we will be discussing our next topic, Intelligent Computers. If you have any suggestions for survival tips, or for future topics, or if you'd like to leave feedback regarding this episode, you can send that feedback directly to gsguide at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, gsguide.blogspot.com. Some of the music used in this episode is found at music.podshow.com. Geek Survival Guide is released under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no-derivatives, attribution-required license. This allows you, the listener, to create more listeners. Not by biting them, of course, but by giving them a copy of Geek Survival Guide. After all, it's much better to give than to receive. So mention us to your friends. And I'd like to personally thank the person who wrote our iTunes review. Your good feedback and kind words mean a lot to us here at GSG. Until next time, this is GSG, Geek Survival Guide, reminding you to keep your head down and your dice handy. <laughs>